0: It's Gabriel, darting inside! Oh, what a cut! Touchdown! Second and ten, Hardison. Time ticking! Down he goes! Grimes, there it was! Exactly what you said. When I wake up, well I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who makes up next to you When I go out, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who gets drunk next to you. I- All right, so let's talk about it. Oklahoma 45, UTEP 13, the Brent Venables era is underway now officially with a game under his belt. The Sooners 1-0 in the season, and that's, I think, the most important important thing when you're talking about breaking down a game that happened. Did you win or did you lose Oklahoma won as expected? Um, and it was convincing. I looked it got kind of funky there for a little bit. We'll talk about that. But um, at the end of the day, I, I think you, um, I think you have to say this was a solid performance. Okay. It wasn't exceptional. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. I mean, it wasn't a bad performance. you got, uh, you got almost 500 yards of offense. I expected 500. I, I expected more scoring. Uh, man, when, when Oklahoma jumped out 21 nothing in the first quarter, I was like, yep, this is exactly what I said would happen. And then they pumped the brakes on only seven points in the second quarter. And I was like going, okay, I, I, I expected more. And I, I think. I think to an extent, Oklahoma fans across the board kind of felt that way. You you think back to last year, that season opener uh, against um, against Tulane, and how crazy that was. And, and you never really felt that this game was heading in that direction. There was a little bit of a lull, like, like you said. You know, Oklahoma outscores UTEP twenty-one nothing in the first quarter, and then they get outscored ten to seven in the second. Um, and then they jump back after halftime, and you know, hit the gun, gas again, fourteen uh, nothing over the Miners just in the third quarter, and then you go to a stalemate there in the fourth. And I, I think, I think you can attribute that to a, a couple of factors. I, I think on those. On those first three drives... Uh, Jeff Levy saw what he needed to see. I mean, he, he saw exactly what he wanted uh, from from this team. He, they go uh, the opening drive went five plays, 75 yards, just just a minute and 17 seconds to score. Uh, then they go six plays, 93 yards, minute 48 seconds to score, and then two plays, 55 yards. Of course, that's the big Gavin Freeman play as well. Uh, but that's just a 30 second drive, and so just it just bam, 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 bam. You've got you've got 21 nothing and. And then you look outside, and it's a hundred and something degrees out on the field, uh, and you're thinking, "Man, we're we're going to keep putting our defense out there and keep putting our defense out there." Um, so I think they deviated from the game plan. Um, I, I think I I think you saw uh, player personnel change. I, I think you saw a little bit of okay. Here's what I. Here's what I know I can do. I think at any moment I can I can light it up uh, on this team. I, I've proven it over the first three drives. Now let's work on some things uh, that we need to do in game speed against an opponent that's not wearing our same colors. And, and I think you contribute some of that funky uh, second quarter vibe to that. And and I think the heat as well. I mean, look, I I already said it. It's, it's, it was, it was scorching. Okay. And I wasn't, I wasn't suited up. I wasn't playing, but I was scorching where I was sitting uh, in that stadium. And just imagine being uh, one of the people down on the field in pads going uh, 90 to nothing. And so I I think, I think there's lots of things that you can contribute that. And if you'll let me use the word funk there in the second quarter, but I, I don't think at any point Anybody felt this game's in jeopardy? I, I don't think anybody felt. Oh man, this is kind of giving me uh, flashbacks to last year against Tulane. I, I think you you had the you had the impression that Oklahoma was was in control throughout, and and they absolutely were. I, I, I again, the first three drives of this game showed everybody that whatever Jeff Levy wanted uh, to do with this offense, he could do it. And then after that, um, he did what I didn't think he would do. He kind of started tinkering a little bit earlier. I, I think you know the, I talked on the on the Thursday pregame podcast about taking it out for a test drive, and maybe he saw what he needed to say, what he needed to see in those first two drives. And then uh, you start tinkering a little bit, and and you go uh, you know back to back three and outs, and and that just kind of made you feel like it wasn't as good as what it actually was. But at the end of the day. It was a a massive win for Oklahoma, a game in which they covered the 31-point spread. You're welcome uh, if you listen to me on Thursday. And they hit the over uh, in this game with a total of 58 points. And again, you're welcome if you listen to me on Thursday. But more specifically, you know, breaking this thing down, uh, you want to look at offense and defense. And that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to get to your true or false questions. We're going to give you the Big 12 rundown. But all in all, I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, you can't uh, you can not not have a smile on your face because Brent Venables is back and the Sooners are 1-0. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Offensively, in Jeff Levy's debut, Oklahoma, uh, almost 500 yards, 492. Uh, you got to love the balance, 233 yards through the air, and. 59 yards on the ground. They averaged 10.1 yards uh, per pass attempt, and this is good. This is important. 6.8 yards per rush attempt. You know, 259 yards on the ground uh, came on 38 attempts. And I was wrong. This is where I was wrong. You know, I don't. Uh, there's some people who try to excuse uh, when they when they make a prediction and it's off. And I was totally wrong. I I thought this would be a higher scoring game for Oklahoma. And I thought that they would, I thought they would hit 300 rushing yards and and they didn't. I, I, again, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying I'm wrong. Uh, then I'm going to say, I think they could have, uh, had they chosen to, uh, but they didn't, um, you 23 first downs. If you, if you want to really kind of find a way to nitpick, uh, this offense based off of, you know, other than what I said in that opening segment, I think third down, I think Jeff Levy maybe got too creative or tried to test uh, the waters too much. You know, Oklahoma below 50% on third down, going just three of eight, uh, three conversions in eight attempts. But, you know, you could also point to penalties, uh, seven penalties, 59 yards. Now, there were some defensive penalties in there. One of them, absolutely a questionable pass interference. Uh, but, uh, look, there— there, there. We we said one of the keys was to play clean, and they didn't do that throughout. Now, for the most part, they did, but there were some false starts, uh, and and that's you know that contributes to seven penalties. You want to have, in my opinion, you know the perfect game is no penalties, but you always want to have fewer penalties than your opponent, and that wasn't Oklahoma's case on Saturday. The Sooners seven penalties, fifty nine yards. UTEP six penalties, fifty yards. But all in all, when you look at the performance of this offense, um, there's I mean, you got to nitpick, right? And, and that means it was a good performance when you got to say, oh, they were third and eight, uh, three of eight on 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 third down. Uh, they, they had seven penalties uh, as a team. Um, you know, they didn't score as many points as they thought they would. That's nitpicking. Uh, Twenty three first downs, forty five points, almost 500 yards. This was a good day for Oklahoma's offense. And, and don't forget that it wasn't a full four quarters of the, of the Jeff Levy offense. I I think, I think what we saw of the, the actual Jeff Levy offense was those opening three drives. I've already said that I'm going to stick to my guns on that. And so I I think, I think when you go there and you realize that this wasn't the full thing uh, for a full four quarters, um, it, it should at least give you a little bit of um, of that that happy warm feeling, unless of course uh, I'm absolutely wrong and, and this offense is going to regularly stall out uh, in the second quarter, which I don't I don't believe to be the case. When you when you look at Dylan Gabriel, I, I think one of the things you take away uh, on the offensive performance is that Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he was as advertised. He he's the guy that we were told that he was. He was. He, he, he was efficient in what he did, he didn't turn the ball over. He, he threw for two touchdowns. He ran for a touchdown 15 to 23 on passing attempts, 233 yards. um, And, and a game in which he didn't play the full four quarters and, and the three and and a half quarters that he was in there, it wasn't running the offense at full throttle. It was kind of not even imagine being on cruise control uh, as you're going down, you know, Boyd street, um, you know, you're just not going full throttle. And and so I I think Dylan Gabriel was, was good. I, I think he was, um, I'm not going to say spectacular, but I think he showed really what you wanted to see from him in that he has, he has a grasp of this offense. And we expected that going into this, you know, this is his second go around, uh, with, with Jeff Lebby. Uh, this is, this is a guy that, uh, that has never played in this type of atmosphere as the home team, Right. Um, you know, coming from, coming from, from Orlando, Florida, uh, being at a smaller college, our smaller university, but still finding success. This was a, a, a big moment for him. And he talked about it after the game about how he'll always remember the moment. But, um, but look, I, I three touchdowns on the day. Uh, he, uh, wasn't spectacular on the ground, six carries for 20 yards, but 253 total yards of offense, um you know, look, t- take, take it for what it is. I mean, your, your guy, your quarterback showed that he knows the offense. He knows what, what Jeff Lebby wants to do. He knows where to distribute the ball. He showed good touch. I, I think that's a win. Uh, the offensive line, again, I I don't think there was anything that was great, um, uh, right here when we're talking about Dylan Gabriel or the offensive line, there was a lot of good. And, and that's, that's where the offensive line is that they, they were, they were good. They weren't, they weren't spectacular. I, you know, you got to put an asterisk there and say you, you want to see this offensive line in full force, right? Because because you didn't have you didn't have Wanya Morris, and so you had where, where Wanya Morris is typically going to be your your right tackle. You had Tyler Guyton uh, line up at left tackle. They moved Anton Harrison over to the right side um and the reason that you do that is because Dylan Gabriel is a left-handed quarterback and so the blind side's coming from the opposite side that it typically does uh when you have a right-handed quarterback and so you got your best guy, your most experienced guy, experienced guy over on the right, Tyler Guyton, the um the 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 new guy over on the left. And and I I think he did well. I, when you when you look at the fact that um that the offense average Six point eight yards per carry. That lets you know that they did well. I mean that 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 was that's where you want to be, right? You want to have that high yardage uh, per carry. I, I think I, I can't I think it was Dylan Gabriel after the game said you really want to be five yards per carry or better. Um, and that shows that you have consistent ball movement and, and they're there at six point eight. Um, and you've got to give credit to the guys up front and and both sides of the ball. Oklahoma controlled the line of scrimmage that you never felt they were they were overwhelmed. Right. Because there there were times where. Well, like we talked about Thursday on the preview, there were times where there was there were some blown assignments. Uh, there, there were times where I, I did think that uh, once you started trying to look at other receivers and other options, uh, there were times where Dylan Gabriel probably held the ball too long. Um, and some of that caused you know some issues in, in the backfield. But at the end of the day, I think you got to give the the offensive line a passing grade, Um, and I think you you also you realize that this group didn't have Wanya Morris, and whether he's back against Kent State or back against Nebraska or whenever it is, you think this unit will get even stronger. But they were good for for having the the four. I want to say the four starters, but I, I don't know that you can't say Tyler Guyton's not a starter now. I mean, he he started game one, and and he he did well. He did really really well. And so again, um, I, I think offensive line quarterback play you're, you're not going to write it off as being spectacular, but it definitely it definitely has been worse. And it it was good to get started with. Uh, to me, I I think. Um, I think the biggest thing when you're the biggest takeaway for me offensively was the gap at the running back position. And I think there's two gaps here. I expected Eric Gray and Marcus major to be closer in, in terms of usage and and they weren't Eric Gray, 16 carries 102 yards, Marcus major, seven carries 54 yards. Eric Gray caught two passes. Marcus major caught one. So Across the board, you got Marcus Major at fifty percent or lower usage of what Eric Gray is getting, and I expected that to be closer, and maybe it will. Maybe it will as the season as the season wears on. Now we did learn, uh, well, I guess we confirmed what our suspicions were: is that you know Marcus Major's that tough yardage guy, um, and that's why he got the two touchdowns. And and it also should be noted, Marcus Major averaged seven point seven yards per carry. Again, only touched it only touched it seven times. But 7.7 yards per carry is pretty impressive. Eric Gray, 6.4 yards per carry. So I'm not saying that Eric Gray was was uh, was out there, was like chopped liver or something. But I was surprised. I was a little bit taken back about the gap between the usage of Eric Gray and Marcus Major. Clearly, what Jeff Levy wants to do with this unit is make this Eric Gray's team. and And because of the versatility... And and you 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 saw the shiftiness, you saw the speed, and you saw some power from Eric Gray that I don't think was there last year. Now again, I'm I'm not backing away from the fact that Marcus Major is your power back guy, but Eric Gray showed a little bit more strength than what he had uh, previously. Of course, he's only got one year under his belt at OU leading into this game on Saturday, but 102 yards, his first his first 100-yard performance uh, for the Crimson and Cream. So there was one gap. And then a whole other gap between Marcus Major and uh, Javante Barnes and Tawee Walker. I, I, I was shocked. This was the the bigger shock to me than, than anything else, is that it took so long for us to see Javante Barnes. It took even longer for us to see Tewi Walker because – Things that are being said coming out of camp, during camp, um, just on the on the talent of these guys. And they are. I mean, Javante Barnes delivered a hit on his first carry. But also, also Javante Barnes fumbled the ball. Now, we, we celebrate the power. We celebrate the speed. But we can't not talk about the fumble. Now, I, I think the reason we don't talk about it as much is because Oklahoma recovered the ball. but But still... That was a freshman move right there. It, it, the, the speed was abnormal abnormal for a freshman. The power was abnormal for a freshman. But the fumble, that was a normal freshman thing. And, and maybe that's why uh, we didn't see Javante Barnes until, until late into the into the game. And then Taewi Walker, same thing. Taewi Walker, I mean, he showed burst. He showed power. He showed strength. Uh, but... I mean, Taewee Walker only, only got two carries on the day. And so that surprised me. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, I just, I just felt like I really felt like there would have been more usage of Marcus major in comparison to Eric gray. And if you would have told me it would be the waning moments of the game before we see Javante Barnes, or Taewee Walker, I would have said you're crazy on that. But, um, but yeah, that's where it is. When you look at the receiving core for Oklahoma, um, I tried to tell you about Braden Willis. I, I can't remember who, uh, i have to look back at my notes, who had the... Um the true or false question about Jalil Farouk. I, I didn't expect Jalil Farouk to only get one catch on the day. Uh, but I did say, what about Braden Willis? Keep an eye on him. Don't don't count him out. Braden Willis tied Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims three catches each. Uh, but Braden Willis was the only guy uh to catch uh a touchdown pass, and he caught two of them on Saturday. And really you you saw I think what Jeff Levy wants to do, just suck everybody in, suck everybody in. And man, both, both Braden Willis scores just were easy. Were they not? I mean, if you look, go back and look at them there, it's, it's almost too easy where, well, you know, a play can get so easy that, uh, that you mess it up because you're expecting it to be more complicated than what it actually turned out to be. Uh, But um, that's how both of those, both of those plays turned out being, It, it was interesting again to me that, Only seven players caught a pass for Oklahoma on Saturday. We're we're talking about the receivers, right? And so you've got seven guys who caught passes. Two of those guys are running backs. And so you got five guys from the receiver tight end core to catch a pass. We already mentioned Marvin Mims, Braden Willis, Theo Weese. Uh, the other guys are Drake Stoop and Jalil Farouk. Stoops went two two catches, 25 yards. Farouk one catch, nine yards. Now, I know Farouk was targeted more than that. Um, had a had a case of the drop seeds as well. But you know, it's it's a little bit different from reading that report. You know, you look at the postgame report last season and you see like 15 guys, 14 guys, 12 guys, you know, you know, you're in the double digits of guys who caught passes in the distribution. And again, it shows two things. I think, I think what, we, what we knew coming in was that Jeff Lebby wants to run the football. He wants to be fast-paced. We saw that. I think they had to pump the brakes on that because of the heat. But we saw the fast pace. We saw what they could do with that. <clears throat> but we also were able to see the fact that, man, they want to run the ball. And, and, you, and you, you realize that in 23 passing attempts, 38 rushing attempts. And so what that does is that limits your opportunities on on who can catch a pass. But then also, I think you see more um, more intention, more intent on the passing game, like in, in, on this play, we're going to hit this guy uh, on this seam or this guy in that zone, or you know they, they it's more it's, it's not man, I guess what I'm saying is, you can overcomplicate passing routes. There were times where Dylan Gabriel never looked at one side of the field. Not that he's staring down the receiver, but he's got two or three options on, On, for example, let's say he's got two or three options to his left. There's receivers running to the right, but they're just running to occupy space and defenders. He's got two or three options to the left and he takes those options. Um, and I just, I think there's, there's more, um, there's a, there's a limited number of, of receptions, I guess, than what we're we're used to seeing. And so that that means that receiver room that we thought was really stacked. Well, it probably still is stacked with talent. But those guys that are going to actually get the meaningful targets, I, I think we can limit them to who, who the five guys that caught passes on Saturday. Because what we learned about Jeff Lebby on Saturday is he's not going to do what he doesn't need to do. Think about Davis Bevel, right? Coming into the game. He didn't throw the ball one time. And according to Jeff Levy game he told Bevel, I'm going to put you in, but you're not going to get to throw the football. So Jeff Levy's not going to do what he doesn't have to do. He's going to take what the defense gives him, and th- they're going to be relentless in the tempo and the speed. But I, I don't think you're going to see guys out there just, you know, look, on this play, you got 12 options. Because, again, it's all about speed. And so you've you've got just a few seconds to make that read to get rid of the ball, and and so that talented receiving core, I think it's going to be narrowed down to about five guys. They're going to get the significant looks. Those are just some quick observations after week one. Uh, I've got the same for the defensive side of the ball. I feel like I I paid more attention, I guess, intently on the defense than I did uh, to the offense. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, there, there are, t- there are times when I say, I mean, the defense was more impressive than the offense on Saturday, but then I think back to those, those three, those first three possessions. And if you miss those first three offensive possessions that Oklahoma had, then you missed, you really missed the Jeff Levy offense. And I, I don't want to go back to that and, and beat that horse again, but Defensively, I think we we got to see what Brent Venables and Ted Riff want. They're gonna they're gonna take something away, and and for UTEP on Saturday, they're like, look, if you you're not gonna beat us, but we're gonna make your life miserable by taking away your running game. And give UTEP credit, they they managed 26 first downs, but they were a pitiful five of 15 on third down, one of two on fourth down. They gave they they had 316 total yards of offense, which Again, honestly, it's more than I expected them to, but 288 of that 360 sixteen yards came through the air. 51 pass attempts, 5.6 yards per pass attempt. And again, keep put that in perspective. 51 pass attempts. Oklahoma had 23 pass attempts. So you had twice as many, more than twice as many pass attempts. 5.6 yards per attempt, 10.1 yards per attempt uh, for Oklahoma, which just shows you again that that intent. On on focusing on 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 what you're going to do uh, with the passing game. Of course, Oklahoma did, gets the garbage time interception. Which, by the way, by the way, was pretty. For those of you that were interested in in that point spread, that interception maybe gave you another reason to to celebrate because a field goal takes away the 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 31 and a half points uh, you needed to get to 32. And and the field goal a uh, field goal there in the waning moments would have would have taking that away from you. So, so yeah, you can be thankful for that garbage time interception, but I think you look at 0.9 yards per carry and that tells you the story of this defense. They just dominated up front. This is a defense that the front seven. I mean, look, they, they were, they were impressive. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Reggie Grimes here, here in just a minute, but Holy cow. Just relentless. You you saw guys get cut, jump back up, and still make contact with the quarterback, and, and it happened multiple times. I know Jaron Kanek is getting some some love on social media for for a late happening late in the game, but it, it, he wasn't the only one to do it on Saturday. And you just saw, you know, the, one of the the keywords that Brent Venables has used in describing his defense is relentless, and you saw that. I mean, they they were they were relentless on on Saturday in their attack. And they're d- to be disruptive in the backfield and, and, and all that. I mean, it's uh, six sacks, six quarterback sacks on Saturday. Two and a half belong to Reggie Grimes. That, that's good. That's impressive. That's what you want to see. And, and again, I know it's game one, okay? And I know it's UTEP. But this defense, particularly the front, they are so far ahead of where they were last year at game one. And that's crazy to say. It's crazy to think about because you, you look at the the talent that was on that defense, particularly up front last year. Where you had Isaiah Thomas, where you where you, you had Perry and Winfrey, where you got Nick Benito coming in there. I mean, there there were there was there's NFL talent on that line, and there's NFL talent on this line. But when you when you're comparing star power to this point. You would think that last year's line would have got off to a better start because it's it's I mean it's almost an equal opponent when you're comparing Tulane to UTEP. Maybe maybe Tulane's a little bit better, but not that much. Not not a, not enough to push OU the way they did last year. So if you're if you're a person who likes to see aggressive defense, particularly with the guys up front, you're gonna love this defense that OU is gonna throw in out there. Now there is there's certain aspects of this defense where you saw tendencies on the field and you're thinking, man, it's just going to take some time to, to like, to work the Alex Grinch out of their, out of the system, particularly in the defensive secondary. I, I mean, the, the, I I think that the two biggest takeaways from this defense, if you're talking positives, the two biggest takeaways are, number one, they completely dominated the line of scrimmage. They took away the running game, 0.9 yards per carry, over 31 attempts. So that, that's a good takeaway. I think you saw fundamental tackling. That's a good takeaway. Think about Danny Stutzman's just breaking down, making contact in the chest, lifting and planting the running back. So you saw a good fundamental technique. You saw a good solid wrap up. The the receivers that that made um, that made a catch were immediately taken down. You didn't see a lot of yards after the catch. I think Jaden Davis had a whiff where where he just kind of lowered his head and dove. And that's what I'm talking about. I think it's going to take some time to work the Alex Grinch out of these guys. You saw a little bit of hesitancy. You saw just a little bit of bad technique. I, again, I'm I'm gonna. Throw Jaden Davis under the bus one more time. But the, the good definitely way outweighs the bad here. And I think when you we walk away from game one a year ago thinking, oh man, this defense, they should be way better than what they are. You, wake, you walk away from game one this year and you're thinking, wow, this defense, they're only going to get better as time moves on. Reggie Grimes was, in my opinion, he, there was no player on either side of the ball who had a bigger impact in this game than Reggie Grimes. We already talked about the two and a half sacks. He had another hurry, but it's, it's not just that it's, I mean, you saw fumbles on the, on, from the quarterback, you, you saw them, uh, fumble the snap. And the shotgun formation, why did they do that? It wasn't because the center didn't put the ball where it's supposed to be. It's because that quarterback's trying to find where's Reggie Grimes coming from. And so you saw hesitation. You saw, you saw even uh, uh, the, the opposite of hesitation, which would, would, I guess, be impatience, just getting rid of the ball. Bad throws out of bounds, bad throws into the ground just because of the Reggie Grimes factor. Hands down, to me, he was the... Most impactful player on the field. On either side of the ball. And if he's able to stay healthy, I, I think he's going to be one of the fun ones. You, you saw really, I mean, you saw flashes last year. The, the, the Alamo ball was, was really good for him. But man, to get started this way, to have that type of game in game one. And thinking that this defense is only going to improve. That, that's good stuff. And when, when you look at the front seven all together, you know, you, you, those linebackers, right? We, we talked about Reggie Grimes. And, and you can throw some other guys in there. I mean, I, Isaiah Coe was good. Um, you know, they're, they're, the, that, that defensive line was good. But then think about the guys behind him. Danny Stutzman, David Igwebu, Deshaun White, they combined for 21 tackles. Those three guys. Stutzman tied Billy Bowman for, the, for, the, for a team high in tackles with nine. That's, I mean, that's good stuff, guys. I mean, that, that, and, and it's the sure-handed, again, breaking down technique tackling. It's not just lowering your head and lunging and not I'm not for sure how I feel about the cheetah position though, not that not the position itself, but the personnel in there. i, I did expect to see more Justin Harrington my My mindset going into this game was that, okay, so Desha- uh, Deshaun white he's he's the guy when it's an obvious rundown. He's the guy when it's a fifty fifty down. But when you go into an obvious passing down, you got to flip that over to Justin Harrington. And just like that, I talked about that gap with the, with the running backs. I, I was shocked. It took so long for Justin Harrington to get on the field. Now, some of that could have just been getting Deshaun White reps in terms of pass coverage. But, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm confused a little bit on that. I think maybe I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable on that. And I don't know what Kent State's. I haven't looked at Kent State yet, as far as what they're going to bring to this to this uh, challenge for this defense. But I think there's I think there's three options here. Okay, I think option number one is, hey, Deshaun White's the best we got, so we're going to throw him out there. He's the, he's the best option we have. I think option number two. Option number two is we need just Deshaun White to get experience and pass coverage. And we know this team's going to throw the ball 50 times a game. And so we're going to leave Deshaun White out there and let him get as much recognition and coverage uh, under his belt as he can. And then option number three was going back to what the original game plan was. The original game plan is we're going to take away the run. We're going to make you one dimensional and, and Deshaun White's that guy when in, ter- in terms of, run support. He he's the guy where Justin Harrington would be the guy that's in, in terms of pass coverage. I you're good. Look, your guess is as good as mine. Maybe I'm missing something. I think when you look at the secondary, um, Billy Bowman was definitely the bright, the bright spot in that secondary. Uh, I said he, you know, tied for a team high with nine tackles. Uh, you know, look, he, he flashes athleticism like like most of the guys out there. He looked stronger than he did a year ago, which I mean, you got to you got to attribute what Schmidt is doing with these guys. Because if you look at the body transformation with some of these guys, it, it's there. The body transformation is definitely there. But sometimes when you have a body transformation, you, you do that at the sacrifice of athleticism. And that is not the case with Billy Bowman. He looked every bit the athlete that he we saw flashes of in 2021. It's just a stronger version of that. I think when we're when we're sticking with the secondary, it looks like you know the strong safety position is still up for grabs. That's the way I take this. You got Key Lawrence getting the star. You got Justin Broyles coming in. I, I paid more attention. I already said this. I paid more attention defensively. Than I did on the offensive, especially when we're talking about personnel. And I feel like Justin Broyles came into this game more quickly, or at a, at an earlier point, than did any other person who was listed as an OR on the depth chart, or any other person who's listed as a backup, even. And I, I think, like they're saying, Key Lawrence, he's the starter. But Justin Broads is pushing him. And I, I don't know that that's fully been resolved yet. I, I think it will be resolved by the time this this team hits Lincoln, Nebraska. But I, I think th- this game against UTEP, I think next week against Kent, I think what you're going to see is a lot of... Brent Venables even said after the game that they didn't play as many people as they wanted to. They they wanted to get more people into this game, but they weren't able to. So I think you're going to see the same heavy, heavy play. You know, you get that. uh, I don't know if you do, but you know this or not. But after the game, the media gets a, a participation report. And it lists all the players who played one aspect or another in the game. It was pretty thick for Oklahoma. It was like 60 players deep. I think you're going to see that again after the Kent State game, but then after the Nebraska game, that that sucker is going to cut in half, right? So I think I think these are auditions. I think this is a, 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 like a hey, this is what we want to do. Can you do it? And if you can't do it against UTEP, if you can't do it against Kent, then we don't trust you to do it to try to do it against Nebraska, and then moving forward into conference play. So I, I think that's where you got to start um, when you're trying to break down. It, it affects really how you break down the offensive and defensive performance, knowing that there are guys out there doing, quote, auditions. I think Jeff—honestly, I believe Jeff Levy's set. I, I don't think Jeff Lebby has any—when when it's, when it's go time, when it's money time, when you got to get the ball down the field, I think Jeff Lebby knows these are the 11 guys I want on the field. I'm not for sure Ted Roof is there yet. Th- these are the 11 guys I think I won on the field is what we saw, in my opinion. That's what we saw against Utah. I'm curious. I'm gonna be watching that strong safety position this Saturday to see if there's any change with Justin Broyles uh, and Billy Bowman, not Billy Bowman, Justin Broyles and Key Lawrence. I'm curious about you know they're they're in the middle. I mean. It, it, Is Jalen Redmond still going to be, I mean, Jalen Redmond got some good, good reps, but he wasn't the starter. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to keep watching those things. And the product was good. Product got the job done. Vegas had you at 31 and a half. You won by 32. So the product was good. Now it's got to get better from week to week. Offensive defensive players of the game, I, I think you got to go. I think there's I think there's obvious on both sides. I think you got to go Braden Willis with the two touchdowns. You you could say Dylan Gabriel, but let's take the quarterbacks off the board and go Braden Willis, game changer. Um, and I and I think Reggie Grimes on defense. That's that's who I got. Let me know who you got. Uh we're gonna jump into your portion of the podcast uh after this break. We got uh your true or false questions. We're back to five. We could only get three before the game, but man, we had five and I had to sift through some. You guys trying to be funny, uh, but I, I got five for you. We'll hit that up on the on the backside. It's your time to shine, true or false. You can always participate uh, on the Sooner Nation podcast with your true or false statement, question, however you want to throw it out there. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can email us heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com or you can drop a comment uh, on our podcast page at heartland-sports.com. Each podcast has its own individual page. Drop it in there, and we'll try our best to get to it. We got five this week uh, coming from uh, Jordan, Austin, Tracy, Chris, and Donovan, and we're gonna jump into these. These are all all centered on the game. Uh, let's start out with some controversy, maybe. I don't know that, what your thoughts are. I'm kind of impartial to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna before I read the true or false statement, I'm just gonna give an apathetic. I don't really care. And it's this, it's Jordan says, um, hey, the crowd was an embarrassment and the students should be ashamed. Um, that's, and look, here's the thing. I think we've, you, you, you've you heard the you've heard the phrase, you made the bed, now you got to lie in it. I think we've made such a big deal about Lincoln Riley saying that USC was the mecca of college football. And then there not being a lot of crowds at USC. And that was the case again on Saturday. Wasn't a sellout at USC. It was a sellout at Norman, but I think we've kind of made this argument about how faithful Oklahoma fans are, what that crowd is like, what that atmosphere is like. And now we look at the TV and we see an empty student section. Uh, we see, a, a, a you know, the stadium, a third of the way full as, as the game's winding down. And we got to say something. Oh, this is terrible. This is a travesty. So let me, let me just tell you this. I don't care. And here's why I don't care. Number one, it was hot. I was in that stadium, and let me tell you, it was hot. And that's not for everybody. It's Saturday. You're, you're getting close to party time on, on campus. You're still new there. You've still got all this energy. You haven't got deep, deep into your studies yet. Norman's buzzing. You want to get to the restaurant or go to the local establishment or whatever. You can use the heat as an, as an escape. And so it's more, it's more tempting to do that in that moment than what it would be at other times. But I've been going to football games for a long time in Norman. And I, I, I'm struggling to remember a more uncomfortable temperature on the hot side than what it was on Saturday. Now that said, I, I think the heat, I, there, was, there was legitimate people who got sick because of the heat. There were legitimately people that were carried out of stretchers. I heard people talking about the stadium running out of water. I was always able to get water. I never experienced someone say I don't have any, but I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying it didn't happen where I was sitting or in the area, the concessions around my area. But at the end of the day, when you hear Dylan Gabriel talk about the atmosphere, when you hear Brent Venables talk about the atmosphere, when when you hear people talk about how incredible and how crazy that moment was when they ran out of the tunnel, and and then you win by blowout, I think the crowd the crowd did what they were supposed to do. I mean, if that if that game is 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 a two score game or a one score game. And it looks like that in the fourth quarter, then cry out shame on you. But I stayed, I stayed till the very end. I saw the interception. I saw the kneel down. I saw it all. I was there, but I don't care that people in front of me or behind me or beside me left. That didn't bother me. And the reason why it doesn't bother me is because I don't think it bothered the team. I think everybody was like, dude, it's hot. Let's go. And, and I do think, I, I, do, I will say this. Maybe this is unpopular, okay? Maybe it's an unpopular opinion. I, I think criticism towards those who left that stadium, I think it should be held to people who were in the stadium. In other words, if you were in the stadium and you chose to stay and you want to criticize those who left, then, then criticize those who left. But if you were watching this game from the comfort of your air-conditioned couch, well, your couch is not air-conditioned, but you know what I mean. On the couch in your air-conditioned house, I, I think you better sit this one out because you have no idea how hot it was there. But I also think there's an important lesson here in hydrating yourself. People make the mistake, I'll just drink water once I get there. And that's that's not how it works. You can't start hydrating yourself once you're there. You got to hydrate in advance. I started guzzling bottles of water on Thursday in anticipation of what was going to happen on Saturday. And I was fine. I sweat. I mean, I got I got wet with sweat. I was drenched. I was hot. But I did fine. So if, if this situation arises again, hydrate, guys. Uh, so, Jordan, I, I'm going to say false. Sorry. The, I, don't, I don't think the crowd was the embarrassment that, that uh, we're trying to make it out to be. All right. Here we go. Austin says this. Uh, true or false, Marvin Mims was underused. Um, I took Marvin Mims in my FanDuel contest, so I'm going to say true because he didn't score. But I think I've already explained really on, on this situation um, what Jeff Levy was trying to do, what he, was, what he was trying to accomplish in that I can do whatever I want to. So now I'm going to work on the things that I maybe uh, – maybe we need to work on technique. Maybe we need to work on recognition. Maybe we need to work on this or that and start tinkering with things in the second quarter. So yeah, I th- I think in terms of overall production, three catches, you want more from Marvin Mims. I think when you get to these big games, when you get to Nebraska, when you get to Kansas State, when you get to Texas, when you hit those games, you you need Marvin Mims to have more than three catches. But in a game where you're tinkering just the nuts and bolts of your offense... I don't, I mean, obviously it didn't matter how many catches Marvin Mims had, but in the grand scheme of things, Austin, I am going to agree with you. I'm going to say true. I think Marvin Mims was underused and, um, and I don't know that that'll change next week. Just, just to be honest with you, don't take him in FanDuel. Well, at least I'm not going to next week. Tracy says this true or false. Gavin Freeman gave us the play of the day. Tracy, this is 100% true. 100% sure Gavin Freeman gets that end around bounces off of the defenders racing towards the end zone. Now, if you haven't already done so, if you're not already aware of this, take the time to look at Braden Willis on this play. We talked about Braden Willis being the offensive player of the game. We talked about the, the two touchdowns, but I mean, Braden Willis really gets three touchdowns because Gavin Freeman breaks free, uh, it, because of, multiple things that Brayden Willis does on that run. But yes, Tracy, the fact that he's a walk-on, he's a freshman that, uh, you know, Ale- um, uh, Brent Venables, sorry to say Alex Grinch again, shame on me. Brent Venables said after the game, you know, Gavin Freeman bet on himself and won with this moment. Uh, he's, a, he's a kid who, he's a legacy. His dad played for OU. He he had the opportunity uh, a local Oklahoma City product, Heritage Hall. He had the opportunity to go on scholarship to other places. Chose to walk on at OU. Venables talked about, you know, he bet on himself. He's a tough guy. And then when you get to Gavin Freeman and his post game, it's all humility. It's all like, man, I can't believe I did that. You know, I thought, wow, I have a chance to score here. And then once I scored, I can't. I was like, whoa, this really happened. Um, and even into Sunday with social media stuff, he talking about how dreams can come true. All around this is great. All around this is spectacular. And um and and so yes, Tracy, I agree that that's true. Gavin Freeman gave us the play of the day. Just just not because it was a spectacular play, because it absolutely was a spectacular play, but then all the circumstances surrounding it made it that much more enjoyable. Chris says true or false, Marcus Major should be RB1. Oh, here we go. Here's the real controversy. Marcus Major versus Eric Gray. Should Marcus Major be QB? No, he definitely shouldn't be QB. Should Marcus Major be RB1 and Eric Gray RB2? After all, Marcus Major, 7.7 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Eric Gray, 6.4 yards per carry, zero touchdowns. Chris, I see where you're coming from, but I don't agree with you. I think this is false. And and the reason why is because you have two running backs who have the ability to do multiple things, but they're each a specialist. Eric Gray is the shifty guy. Eric Gray, uh, I talked about the power. I mean, he's more powerful than he was last year. He's added to his frame. He's bulked up. But he's dangerous out of the backfield. He's a guy that you have to account for out of the backfield. So he's got that going for him. He will be used in the passing attack more readily than Marcus Major will be. And then Marcus Major, he's your power guy. When you need that tough yard, when you're inside the five, when you're inside the 10, and the defense knows you're going to run the ball, Marcus Major is that guy. It doesn't mean Marcus Major doesn't have speed. It doesn't mean he can't break, break away. I mean, we saw that for 7.7 yards per carry average. He even caught a pass. But I think in situations, Ari Gray is going to be the guy the majority of the time. And then Marcus Major is that situational guy when, when you need the tough yard. So Chris, I, I'm going to go false here. I think, I think, I think Jeff Lebby has it right. I think it is the way it should be. Last but not least, Donovan says this: True or false, the secondary still isn't good. <laughs> True or false, the secondary still isn't good. Um, look, Donovan, here's the thing: I, I already talked about strong safety. I already talked about Billy Bowman. Let me let me talk about the cornerback situation for for just a minute. I think there's three guys when when you look at the cornerback spot at Oklahoma, there's three guys. and And the one guy that they don't know just yet where he fits is going to be D j. Graham. You got Jaden Davis starting. You got Woody Washington starting. d j. Graham was the first guy to come in there. And I, th- I think you you're three deep, man. I think that's it. i i I think there were some struggles. I've already mentioned Jaden Davis. Whiffing on a tackle attempt. But I think the majority of the struggles came as you saw other guys rotate in. I I do think, I said this, it's going to take some time to work the Alex Grinch out of them. I think there's some hesitancy still there. But guys, you, you can't... You can't undervalue... What Oklahoma got in in the area of tackling? These guys tackled. When their guy caught the ball in space, they took him down. And and that's that's the biggest step forward from 21 to 22, in my opinion, in this secondary. I I don't know Donovan. They're not spectacular. Okay, they're not. They're going to be better. You will see better secondaries in this schematic. You'll see better secondaries with this coaching staff than the one that's out here in 2022. But I don't know that I'm going to say they're not good. I think we should wait at least until we see a game in which these starters stay out there. Let, let's wait until the Justin Broyles, Key Lawrence thing gets situated. Let's wait until we figure out his DJ a rotational guy. Uh, when We're locked in with Woody Washington and Jaden Davis. Let's wait. I guess let's, I'm saying let's at least wait until after Nebraska. Because I think Casey Thompson and that Nebraska offense, they're going to test Oklahoma in ways that UTEP and Kent are not going to be able to do. So for now, Donovan, I'm saying false. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it play out. So that's it. Let us know your thoughts. How would you answer those questions? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? You got one for the Thursday podcast uh, to preview the Kent game. We want to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Big 12 Rundown. And then we're done. Man, isn't it fun just to be able to talk about football? not uh, not in preview mode not in anticipation mode but like you you get to like watch a game and give thoughts on it. I just man that's that's just that's the best there is. Uh Big 12 impressive weekend. One in uh excuse me, 9 and 1, um West Virginia the only team to lose and they lose the backyard brawl uh to Pitt um I I don't know. I mean look, Pitt's, Pitt's a top 25 team, they're a top 20 team, they're number 17. And this game was played in Pittsburgh. It's a road game against a against a top twenty five team, and West Virginia drops it by seven. Um, I had them losing, but I actually had them losing this game worse than they did. And so I'm walking away a little bit more impressed with West Virginia than i than i I thought I would be to start the weekend. I'm a little less impressed with Oklahoma State. Again, I had, I had this game hitting the over, and I had Central Michigan covering that, that fat spread. But holy cow. The Derrick Mason era did not start out in fantastic form. Cowboys gave up 44 points to Central Michigan and sneak away, and I say sneak away kind of candidly, but a 58-44 win. Central Michigan... Had five hundred and forty six total yards of offense five hundred and forty six total yards of offense, four hundred and twenty four that came through the air. Uh, Donovan is talking about Oklahoma secondary. Let's talk about Oklahoma State secondary. I've got concerns. If I'm an Oklahoma state fan, I've got concerns going into this Arizona state game on Saturday. Maybe they'll get it figured out. Maybe they were vanilla. Maybe they uh, they undervalued their opponent. I don't know. I I know that the offense looked good. I the offense was better than than advertised in my opinion. Spencer Sanders over 400 yards passing. Um man, the the kid that really stood out to me at Oklahoma State was uh, was Braden Johnson. Because you knew Brandon Presley was was going to be all that. I mean he is their break breakaway player. He he's their he's their guy that um he he's their guy that that game breaker. You don't if you're the defense you don't want the ball in his hands. But Braden Johnson proved that he can capitalize on that. 58-44 Oklahoma State wins this game, um but it is it is not impressive in my opinion. I told you Kansas would roll and they did over Tennessee Tech, and I get it that it's only Tennessee Tech, but we're talking Kansas, and I have a much improved Kansas team this year. TCU beat Colorado. Um, this is a game. This is TCU gets gets bonus points here because I didn't think they would go into Boulder and win by this much. I I had them sneaking away with the with the victory. Um, I had Colorado covering that spread, but to win thirty eight to thirteen in Boulder. I think two things. I think number one, uh, TCU is better, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, than what we thought they were going to be. Uh, number two, I think um, I think uh, it's time for uh, a coaching change at Colorado, and I think that's coming. Uh, Carl Dorrell is not going to be there for long. Uh, but there, there's a game changer here, and I haven't heard the update. But Chandler Morris, you know he. He got injured in that game, and so there, you, all things go back to Max Duggan, and there he is once again at the helm of the TCU offense, whether it's for the rest of the season or just for a temporary time. I, I've not done my diligence on researching that. I told you a Baylor-Albany would be a blowout. There's nothing really to take away from that, 69-10. to 10. Iowa State, 42-10 to 10 over Southeast Missouri. Kansas State, blank South Dakota, 34-0. to nothing. Um, Texas Tech, Murray State, 63-10. I this is the one I gotta tell you that I don't um I don't want to give credit, but I said earlier in this podcast that I'll admit when I was wrong. And man, I was wrong about uh about Texas and Louisiana Monroe. Texas wins fifty two to ten. I basically said that was free money out there. And um and it wasn't it wasn't you UL Monroe could have lost by thirty five. And still covered the point spread. But instead they lost by 42. So one more, one more touchdown. Just one more touchdown. And I'm singing a different tune. But, you know, it gets real for Texas on Saturday against Alabama. But this was a game that I thought I didn't think Texas would struggle. I certainly didn't think they would lose. I just didn't think they would dominate the way they did and cover that that asinine point spread. But they did, and I was wrong, and so I have to own up to it. That's it. This episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, first one of the season where we get to break down a game. I hope you've enjoyed it. Give us a subscription. Give us a like. Give us a good rating. Enjoy your Labor Day, everybody. Boomer Sooner. Bye.